Hey everyone, this is Achute Tabavo from Nightlight Astrology. Happy Friday, everybody. Today we are going to take a look at Venus's upcoming retrograde in Capricorn. Uh, we've talked a lot about Venus's conjunction with Pluto, but now we're going to start talking about what it means when a planet turns retrograde in general today. And then as we go along through today's talk, we're going to turn our attention to Venus retrogrades in particular. And I'm going to tell you 12 client stories that I wrote down from the last time that Venus went retrograde, which was about June of 2020 in the sign of Gemini. And I'm going to take you through the 12 houses and tell you some memorable stories that I had in my client practice that the people emailed me about um, that kind of illustrate what Venus can do when it's retrograde in any of the 12 whole sign houses. To give you a few tips for delineating a Venus retrograde on your own. Uh, next week, as Venus gets closer to going retrograde, I will also take it through the 12 houses with some tarot cards and do some more concrete predictions. Today, I just want to get everybody familiar with what a retrograde is and how and why they've been interpreted uh, the way that they have over the course of thousands of years worth of astrological history and also give you a sense of what Venus retrogrades in particular might mean in a general sense. And again, we'll walk them through, we'll walk through the topical meanings of the houses and tell some stories from uh, some of my clients in the past. Uh, so <clears throat> before I dive into all of that today, I'm really excited. We have 15 days left in my annual Kickstarter. We are at 741 backers. That is just 38 backers off from our pace last year, which means we need 38 backers today to keep pace with our goal. Our goal is 1,367, which means we have, I don't know, something like 626 or 29 uh, more to go. So we have about a little over two weeks left to rally as much support as we can, see if we can beat our backer total from last year. Uh, if you haven't pitched in already, I really appreciate your support. Every donation helps. Yesterday, so many people pitched in. We had our biggest day of the Kickstarter so far in terms of the total number of people pitched in. A lot of people gave $5, $10, $25. A lot of people picked up some of the great uh, best uh, rewards that I think I have, like the Astrology of 2022 video, which is um, kind of a deep dive into the most prominent astrology of the year ahead. Plus you get a calendar that will be able to follow along and track what I'm doing on my channel throughout the year. Um, there's lots of other gifts too. So I'm going to take you to the page right now. You can click on the Kickstarter link in the comment section of this video or in the description of the video. And when you get there, you will notice the, oops, let me scroll down a little bit. You'll notice the rewards on the right-hand side. Um, check out the mantra meditation video. If you're like, Hey, you know what? I'd love to have a daily spiritual practice. I have two videos that I've made one on mantra meditation and two on creating a daily spiritual practice. These are to me, like the best tips I have for people who are interested in cultivating a mantra meditation practice or a spiritual practice. There's the astrology of 2022 video with the calendar. I give a couple of exclusive talks on one on karma and the nodes of the moon. One is a year ahead or uh, the mystical seven planets. One is the realm of the outer planets. Those are all kind of deep dive lectures into specific topics, not pub publishing those anywhere else. There is the year ahead horoscope reading, easily one of the most popular. That is a video for your sun or rising sign that'll tell you what's coming for the year, uh, for the, the major events of 2022. Um, there's also some horary readings if you want to pick up those. Uh, and then my best reward easily is um, all of my courses. You can pick up any of them. And you're, when you donate, pick them up through the Kickstarter, they're 50% off. So 
You pledge $900, you get half off one of my online training programs, or um, it's $400 cheaper than even the early bird payment. You can bundle them together and save as well. If you want to go through all of my programs, I have a year one and two program. Most people take those together. Um, you can also take year one, year two, and horary, or even year one, year two, and readings and passages. My new readings and passages course starts today. It's only for my advanced students. And it's a year worth of um, really exploring specific forecasting techniques and counseling skills within the context of live readings that are done in a private classroom setting. So all of those programs that I teach four years worth of curriculum, if you want to study ancient astrology, learn how to read birth charts, start your own practice, take your practice of astrology to the next level, whatever the case may be, you can pick them up through the Kickstarter between now and New Year's Eve. So I hope to gain your support. Uh, a lot of cool things that we do with the funds that we receive. Uh, this year, we have already given about $10,000 that we've earned to funds uh, to different uh, good causes. One was to distributing Bhagavad Gita's and hospitals, prisons, hospice care centers. Another one was sent off to help restore the home temple of a saint in the bhakti yoga tradition is kind of falling apart. So we gave some money to help restore a temple in India. Um, we're going to be giving some money to cultivation of women's leadership in bhakti yoga. So those are some of the things that I generally try to support every year. But also because the Kickstarter goes off, we're able to let 50 to 60% of our students pretty much name their price or work within a sliding scale to take online astrology courses because they're a single parent or they're um, only working part-time, or they've lost their job, or whatever, COVID's hitting them hard, whatever the case might be. It's my goal to make sure that astrological education is always accessible for people. That's why I push this Kickstarter so hard and promote my, um, all of my programs so hard in the, through the Kickstarter. When this goes off in this way, the, then I don't have to have any kind of bottom line when I'm promoting my programs. It's just, which is really nice. And that means that a lot of people take my programs who otherwise are priced out of most serious professional training programs in astrology in the world. That's all because of you guys, you guys do that. The other thing is that uh, with the program, uh, with the Kickstarter funds, we're building a community herbal medicine garden, and we're also building a donation-based astrology clinic so that people can also get readings who couldn't otherwise afford them. And that's something that we hope to have ready to go by 2023. So you guys are supporting a lot of good causes. You support me and my family. You support a staff full of people. So pitch in if you love this channel. Pitch in if you like astrology and spirituality as a, as a daily remedy for health and wellness. This is the heartbeat of my spiritual life. Every day I get up and I do the same exact routine with mantra meditation, working out, getting myself centered and sitting down for you guys to write uh, the best possible lesson plan I can for the day, the best possible talk I can for the day, to give you guys something good to think about so that you have something you can tune into every day that just points you in the right direction as we're all walking incredibly complex lives. And it's easy to forget what really matters, the stars, divinity, your soul. So a lot of love goes into this. Appreciate your support if you're able to give it. Uh, okay, that being said, um, Let's dive into talking about retrogrades. <clears throat> so first of all, I want to talk about what a retrograde is from the astronomical perspective and the symbolic perspective. Um, astrology is a symbolic divinatory language that is rooted in astronomy, meaning that we derive like, just like 
a tarot deck has its kind of logic according to suits and numbers and so forth. The logic of the astrological system is rooted in the observable cosmos and its patterns. Um, but it's also from a geocentric perspective, not a heliocentric perspective, which means we also honor the position of the diviner, that is the observer. So from that perspective, when we look at the sky, planets go through the zodiac in what we call direct motion, then apparently at some, or at, at some times from our perspective, they stop and seem they appear to move backward through the zodiac. Those periods where planets appear to move backward through the zodiac, the sun and the moon do not move backward, by the way, all the rest of the planets do. And when they move backward through the zodiac, we call that their retrograde period. Now, they're not actually moving backward. This has to do with a kind of optical illusion that's created from our geocentric perspective. But nonetheless, our geocentric perspective and observation and looking at phenomena uh, as uh, oracular in nature is what our system is all about. We use astronomy, but we use it as a way of looking for signs. It's a closed repeating system of signs and symbols that is rooted in the sky, but is not empirical science in the way that we tend to think about empirical science nowadays. Astrology or any form of divination is a different kind of epistemology, which means it's a different way of knowing. It's a different way of approaching and understanding truth. We start with the fundamental assumption that reality and the cosmos itself is a living being, and that the living being gives signs of what it is thinking and doing in the heavens and in nature in general. And it uses us to give signs as well. For example, I might be walking into a store and if I'm wearing something, like let's say I'm wearing the color red and I look sort of like somebody from someone's past, I might inadvertently be used by the universe to give a sign for someone in the, uh, you know, in the grocery uh, store who's looking at me and going like, oh my God, that just reminds me of, you know, my, uh, an old friend or something like that. And then boom, they're getting a little message. So animals can be used that way. Plants can be used that way. Stars can be used that way. Cards can be used that way. Runes and bones and tortoise shells can be used that way. Because divinity is all of these things. They're all a part of the, the body of the divine. And so any of them can be used to communicate. It's the kind of the, a, a simple way of putting it. So all of that being said, retrogrades, even though from a heliocentric standpoint, they really sort of don't exist from our geocentric standpoint, our relative position as beings relating to the great cosmic being as beings that are a part of the great cosmic being, we can communicate, we can communicate uh, with that being, uh, that being communicates with itself, you might even say, and it does so through uh, different aspects of its own nature. Okay, so that being said, that's just a brief explanation for why we consider retrogrades so important, even though they are a relative phenomenon rooted in our earthly perspective. Um, well, so, you know, so too is a crow landing on a branch next to you in the woods. You know, there's nothing really empirical about that, or there's nothing causal about that. The crow appears and you know that your grandfather has passed. It doesn't mean that the crow caused your grandfather to pass. So, in the same way, even though it's very tempting to think that all the planets and stars, because they're rooted in predictable, observable things, heavenly patterns in the sky, 
does not mean that they're causing things to happen as much as they're giving signs for things that are happening. And there's a correlation in ancient astrology that the things that happen above give signs for what happens below. They act as a kind of mirror. So that being said, retrogrades have a kind of mirrored meaning. So let's look at it. Here is my favorite astronomy program, Starry Night Pro. And right now in this program, I have for you on the screen a picture of the sky. I've artificially made it dark outside here in Minneapolis. And so you can, you can see the sun is out. The sky is dark. It looks kind of weird. That's just so that we can actually see the ecliptic, which is the green line. That is the path of the sun that defines the zodiac. And you can see the constellations along the zodiac and so forth. And what I want to just generally highlight for you, and I'll, then I'll show you a picture of a retrograde, is that generally speaking, every day there are two motions in the sky. One is called the primary motion of the sky, and it goes like this. I'm speeding it up to 300 times as fast as it usually is, but everything rotates through the sky, rising in the east, setting in the west. This is because we're turning uh, on our axis. The earth is turning on its axis. So it creates the perspective of everything rising in the east, culminating overhead, setting in the west, like that, round and round. That was called the primary motion of the sky by Plato. So that motion, the primary motion of the sky that carries all the constellations, all the planets, the sun and the moon, everything through the sky, nothing can overtake the speed of that motion it is the 24 hour day. And that motion was considered to be a, um, let's call it a physical representation of eternity, the great round thing. A circle is round. It has no end. You've heard that saying before. So um, the same is true from uh, the ancient perspective of this motion, that this motion is thought of as eternal. It's a great circle that has no beginning or end. Everything is moving along it, and it is somehow reflective of the idea of this eternal realm, this eternal dimension of existence that exists within but also apart from our world. Now, in our world, the defining feature is a little bit different. In our world, <clears throat> everything is defined by change, by things that come into being and pass out of being, as opposed to that which is eternal, which is unborn and undying. So watch what happens if I move this forward one day at a time. You'll notice the moon coming across the sky. One day at a time, the moon is moving through the zodiac quite quickly, but it's moving in the opposite direction of the primary motion. So the primary motion brings everything this direction from east to west, whereas what is called the secondary motion of the planets, all of the planets are moving through the zodiac, going the opposite direction from the west toward the east. Now, that secondary motion was associated by Plato with the realm of the temporary forms. The temporary forms are like temporary, fluxional versions of the eternal forms. Everything is eternal. Everything has an eternal nature. But in this world, it comes to be and it passes away. There's an idea of horse that is eternal. There's a million different horses that are born and that die. There's an idea of the human form, you know, that exists sort of perfectly and eternally, but lots of humans come to be and pass away and have individual lives and difference. So the planets, each with their idiosyncratic speeds, 
and synodic cycles with the sun moving through the zodiac, moving through the zodiac direct, and then sometimes stopping and moving backward, a, a collection of idiosyncratic lights in the sky that move compared to um, you know, the uh, primary motion of the sky moving uh, from east to west. These objects move generally through the zodiac west to east. And so the planets as a collection uh, become emblematic of the world of materiality. That is another uh, way, another aspect of reality. That is the world of temporary expressions of those eternal forms. They come to be and pass away on the stage of generation and decay. They come to be and pass away on the stage of life. And this sublunary world that we live in was thought of as the world of fortune, the world where things come to be and pass away, and they fluctuate between opposites endlessly. And that coming to be and passing away of all things, of all stories, of all people's lives, of all karma, of all fate and destiny, twists and turns of fate and plot line, those are all depicted by the planets. And so the planets signify or point us toward eternity by virtue of being held by the primary motion and yet uh, signifying all of the different uh, changes and fluctuations in a broad way that we experience in human life. We look to the planets in our birth chart to understand who we are. We look to the planets in our birth chart to understand what kinds of things will happen in what areas of our life at what times. And all of those are reflections of the coming to be and passing away of the stories of our eternal souls. So you have the primary motion associated with the soul, the secondary motion associated with whatever temporary body and lifetime it's here to live reflected in a birth chart by the planets. So this is a basic depiction of some of the cosmology and metaphysics rooted in the sky and the astronomy that ancient astrologers use. If you like that, come study with me. We go through a lot of this kind of stuff in my program. So all of that being said, what happens when a planet goes retrograde? Well, let's take a look. I'm going to put this up on the screen one more time, and now I'm going to give you a picture of what a retrograde looks like. So I'm going to go to my inner planet view here, and I'm going to go to a Mars retrograde. So you can see Mars humming along, then oh. There it goes backwards, then up, stop, forward, then it goes again. That's a retrograde cycle sped up. So let's see it happen again. So you can see the sun moves faster than Mars, so the sun is passing it. It's making you dizzy a little bit. So, and then what's going to happen is Mars, you're going to see Mars slows down. It's going to start to slow retrograde, slow direct. Now that's due to the position that we have as observers of Mars from Earth. Okay, so that retrograde period, all the planets, except for the sun and the moon, go through retrogrades. Now, what do retrogrades signify? From our perspective, that process of a planet slowing down and going backward, um, that process signifies traditionally a number of different possible things from ancient times to modern times. One would be a delay or a setback. Why? Because you're moving forward and all of a sudden the planet's moving backward. And so you get the idea of something that was moving forward temporarily being set back or temporarily being delayed before it can move forward again. Get a Mercury retrograde, your flight is delayed. You get a Venus retrograde, 
You're delayed in coming to an agreement with someone that you're trying to seal a deal with, something like that. You also have reversals of circumstance or fortune. Remember that all of the planets generally represent the topsy-turvy world of fortune and fate and changing circumstances. Uh, so what you get there is a, um, the idea when a planet goes backward of circumstances reversing, turning around and going the opposite direction that you thought that they would. Or um, when we say circumstance or fortune, we mean that things might be going well, and then all of a sudden they turn around and they're not going the way you want them to go. Or they're going really badly or poorly, and then they turn around and all of a sudden they're going a little bit better. So it doesn't necessarily mean bad fortune, it just means reversals. Giving back what's been gained. A planet's going forward, gaining momentum, suddenly it goes backward, it can mean giving back something that was gained. Uh, oftentimes that, that'll be the case with a, a, a well-placed benefic like Venus. Venus is going along, has to go backwards. Suddenly you give back some things that were gained. Uh, or you can also take back damage that was done. This tends to be the case with malefics going retrograde. Uh, malefic is moving along and doing some damage, stirring up some trouble. It goes retrograde and suddenly it takes back some of that trouble and maybe even makes it more constructive in our lives somehow. Going backward can mean revision. Can mean going back to reconsider something, reflect upon something, revise or edit something. Going backward like that can also mean revisiting the past. Someone or something from the past comes up. You have to go backward in time. It can also mean some kind of metamorphosis overall. It looks like something's dying, but actually it's just transforming and being reborn. You find that kind of symbolism throughout the history of astrology with Venus and Mercury, especially who are oftentimes described as being. Uh, born again as the morning star. Now, another thing, generally speaking, is you have to remember that the planet that is going backward is suddenly falling into the primary motion of the sky. So when the, when the planet starts to go backward, it's suddenly going with that primary motion that it's normally cutting against the grain of. That can also mean that a planet's individual volition or will which is a little microcosmic reflection of our own desires, wills, intentions, and unfolding plot lines is suddenly falling into the hands of a power greater than itself, which kind of means like retrogrades can have this feeling at least of like a kind of divine intervention, the hand of fate, the hand of God, something bigger just sort of takes over. For example, if you've ever been in a Mercury retrograde situation and things get really topsy-turvy, and you couldn't possibly have predicted that any of this would happen. Like, let's say, let's use the classic airport example. Go to the airport, and let's say your flight gets completely canceled, and you're sitting there going, "Great, everything's messed up." Go to the front desk, uh, the, the the you know the the desk or whatever, the help desk, and they say, "Ah, we can re we can reroute you." And actually, it's going to cut one of your it'll cut one of your layovers out. You have a direct flight. And you know, we'll give you a $500 voucher. So suddenly what seemed like something that was turning you on your head, sped your time up, which is helpful because you are now, it's now going to solve some problem you were having with who is gonna pick you up from the airport. Now mom can pick you up because the timing works out better. You have a $500 voucher, which now solves a problem you have about an astrology conference you need to go to, to try to build your career, but you don't have the money to pay to go to the astrology conference, all too often a problem with astrologers. Here, come to speak at this amazing astrology conference. It'll help your career. Oh, but you have to spend about $1,000 to get it done and you get paid about 200. So 
at any rate, no, don't mean to complain, all great opportunities. But still, a retrograde can come along and be just like that. It can be like this, the hand of fate, something larger just taking over and intervening, signified by the planet falling backward into the primary motion where that larger all-encompassing force has taken over. Remember that ultimately, why do we study astrology? We study astrology so that we don't forget the primary motion. That is, we do not forget eternity in the midst of our time-bound experiences. As Plato said, time is the moving image of eternity. And so we study time through the planets. We study qualitative time, meaning we study the time of human experience, the time of human fate, destiny, karma. We, we study the time of our inner lives, and we study the time of our um, this different seasons of our life. And we do so so that we might remember that the nature of our experiences are archetypal, which is to say they are divine and eternal. And by doing that, we stay in touch with these divine realms. We stay in touch with these divine realms. We stay in touch with the gods. We start living more conscious lives. And then it, we're not, uh, well, we're still grabbed, but we're not always grabbed as intensely or as unconsciously. And in this way, we also start to appreciate inherently that reality is a living relationship waiting to be cultivated. That's why we're doing all of this, right? So retrogrades are oftentimes a great moment to remember that because we lose control in some area of our lives. We just lose the plot. Can't, can't take over, can't take the reins anymore. All right. So that's the philosophy. I want to now tell you what this means when we apply it to Venus retrogrades in general. And then I want to take you through some fun stories about the 12 houses. So first of all, delays or setbacks in love, in relationships, in marriage, in sexuality, in attempts to create or bring agreement. Okay, so you have any kind of attempt to make a deal any kind of attempt to um, uh, like, let's sign a lease together and move in or anything where you're looking for the harmonizing result. There can be delays or setbacks. There can also be um, giving back what's been gained, which often appears in the form of divorce or breakups or misunderstandings or miscommunications in love and relationships. You also have taking back damage that was done or a period of revision, refinement, renewal, restoration, all in the context of love and relationships. Um, those are some of the most common things you'll see. Revisiting the past, be careful of that person. <laughs> you know, unless you really want to be with that person from your past, you know, when someone comes in, when someone comes in under a Venus retrograde, it is often the case that we are um revisiting something from the past in order to learn something that maybe we didn't fully learn. And you have to ask yourself, you know, do I need to fully learn this? Do I, you know, do I need to learn this lesson all over again? That can be a real thing with Venus retrograde, um, bringing back old people into our lives, old lessons in love. Another thing that can come up will be reversals of circumstance or fortune in relationships, which means a partner can change jobs or lose jobs. Serious things can happen for a partner or spouse that represent reversals in their lives that are going to affect us because we love them. 
But, um, you know, Venus retrograde can also mean that there are going to be um, uh, taking back damage that was done. Let me go back to that one a second and just say a lot of relationships level up during Venus retrogrades because they have a chance to revise, reconsider, reflect upon things. A metamorphosis in love and relationships. The hand of God, the hand of fate, the larger, um, uh, the larger forces of the gods just completely taking over in some area of your life relative to the topics of love, sensuality, beauty, aesthetics, art, women, friends. Um, and overall, you know, that can be the world's best thing. So a lot of people get really afraid of Venus retrogrades, like, oh, everything's going to, you know, my relationship's going to fall apart or something like that. And most of the time, it just means that for, you know, about 40 days of your life or so, that you're going to go through a period of things, circumstances shifting in a very specific area of life, relationships leveling up and growing, sometimes through pain, sometimes through harder learning lessons, but usually it's not devastating. You know, there's a lot of fear around this stuff. Um, and there's generally two things that you want to look at. You want to focus on the whole sign house and the topics of the whole sign house being activated by Venus's retrograde. And you want to look at any planets involved in the stations, especially the station to turn retrograde, which will tone the retrograde, uh, either in the birth chart. So Venus is conjoining right now around 25, 26 degrees of Capricorn with something in your chart, or it's opposing or squaring a planet around 25 or 26 degrees of cardinal signs. That would be something that might be toning what you experience. So that's a good thing to look at. That's what an astrologer is probably going to look at if they read your chart. Then you also want to consider any planets in the sky that Venus is conjoining, squaring, opposing at the time of its station to turn retrograde. For example, Pluto. And we told some stories about Venus and Pluto this past week that you should all check out if you haven't listened to that episode yet. It's called Grabbed. I think it's Grabbed episode eight or something like that. It's all stories about that people have shared about Venus, Pluto, and some of them are hilarious. Some of them are heartbreaking. Uh, they're just very poignant. So make sure you check that out. So. We have a Venus Pluto-y, a Venus Pluto-like Venus retrograde cycle overall. Deep, intense, primordial, cathartic, uh, much more likely to be um, uh, working through shadow material, uh, much more likely to, to um, create a complete transformation around uh, all of the topics that we've been visiting, especially love, relationships, sexuality, gender, women, friendships, uh, sisters, uh, topics like um, uh, agreement between people, uh, beauty and aesthetics. So now I want to share with you guys some client stories based on the 12 whole sign houses. This comes, these all come from Venus and Gemini. <clears throat> But that, that happened in about June of 2020, or was it was May, May, June of 2020. And um, I wrote all of these down knowing that they would be helpful to use in a future talk. So these come from emails I received, social media comments I collected from you guys, clients I was seeing at the time, and one of my own. So Venus retrograde through the houses. Now this would be for you guys, let me just, I'm going to put the chart up on the screen so that you guys can see what this looks like. Um, and I'm just having Aries on the Ascendant right now, but 
we'll do this as also just as a way of um, making sure you know what I'm talking about. So this will look different for you depending on which sign is rising in your chart. So um, I am going to, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to put Capricorn on the ascendant because we're going to start with the first house and go through all 12 houses like this. So if you have Venus retrograde about to do its thing in your first house, that would mean that you're a Capricorn rising, going by whole sign houses. I'm just going to tell you some stories. We'll be doing a more, much more deep dive next week and uh, going through, and I'm going to be doing some uh, cards for every whole sign house as well. But the general, the story that I thought was um, hit the nail on the head for the first house during the last Venus retrograde was this person had an aesthetic procedure done that set them back um, in terms of their, they had a recovery process that took several weeks. So basically like a cosmetic surgery, Venus retrograde in the first house of body, of health and identity. You could see things like dietary changes, physical appearance changes, wardrobe changes, wardrobe malfunctions, hopefully, hopefully not. But that's the general idea is that the house of identity, health, body, physical appearance, this person had a cosmetic procedure done that took several weeks of downtime while Venus was retrograde. I thought that was interesting. This was when Venus was in Gemini, remember, but now just going through the houses. So uh, let's put into the second house. So you would be a Sagittarius rising, Sagittarius rising, if Venus is about to retrograde and Venus will be re retrograding in your second house coming up here. This was mine. I had when Venus is retrograde in Gemini in my second house, <clears throat> we had to, it's so funny how this works, by the way. Um, so Stripe would not, would dropped us because they considered what I do to be fortune telling and fortune telling is not, uh, I guess for some people is considered a high risk merchant to be processing for. And so they dropped us. And so we had to redo a couple hundred students who are enrolled in all my different programs, we had to redo all of their info to a new payment processor. And that was in my second house. So it's like the complete change of business finances. Uh, and I had to hire someone to help with that. It took a long time. We had to find a high-risk merchant processor. So high-risk merchant processing means, you know, you're getting processed right next door to the uh, porn store the gun store <laughs> and the tobacco store, the vape shop. So, uh, but unfortunately that's a situation uh, that a lot of astrologers find themselves in. If you start doing enough business and one of these places becomes aware, you'll do a little audit, find out you're a fortune teller. Oh, you're a high risk merchant. So they think you're a high risk merchant because they associate the high risk of people doing chargebacks on psychic hotlines with, astrologers, which is really kind of kind of crappy and ignorant. What's interesting is that as Venus is approaching its retrograde again, Stripe just changed that policy. So fortune tellers are formally allowed back in. And I think that's thanks in part to some of the people I know uh, in the astrology world who started sending in letters saying that their, their religious uh, rights were being, uh, were, they were being discriminated against. And I thought, good for you, man. I wrote a 
I wrote a pissed off letter back in the day. It did not, it fell upon deaf ears. So um, maybe it's more people have been writing and now the policy has changed. But at any rate, so that was the second house, Venus retrograde. If you're a Sag rising, you've got Venus retrograding in your financial house. Just an example of how things could potentially shift. Uh, so if you are a Scorpio rising, then this retrograde will fall into your third house. Um, when I was collecting stories from you during Venus's retrograde in the third house for this one person, they wrote that they had to do a complete update of their website, including all of their photos being redone. So they had a professional photographer come and they did a new photo shoot and they updated the aesthetic of their website. And that was a very appropriate for Venus retrograde in the third house which is often connected with media, the mind, technology, and things like that. So if you're a Scorpio rising, you may notice that similar topics are being activated. Just again, we'll be going into this next week in greater depth, but just now to kind of give you a feel for what topics could be activated. So in the fourth house, this is if you're a Libra rising, you're going to get the Venus retrograde in your fourth house. Well, when Venus was retrograde in Gemini in the fourth, someone wrote back and said that they had a setback in the remodeling of their bathroom due to a supply chain issue that was happening because of COVID. So that was 2020 for you. Um, <clears throat> so there's a setback or delay in remodeling, trying to make nicer and more beautiful a bathroom in somebody's house, in their property, home, house of home and family and property in the fourth. So if you're a Libra rising, I guess, be careful if you decide to remodel your bathroom. Uh, okay, so let's go back a little bit more and we'll put Virgo on the ascendant. Virgo on the ascendant brings this Venus retrograde into the fifth house. Someone shared with me on YouTube, <clears throat> Uh, when Venus was retrograde in Gemini, that there was a traffic accident and it looked like they were going to get sued. And then during the Venus retrograde, they actually ended up coming to a settlement outside of court. Um, oops, I'm sorry. That would be uh, that would be the sixth house. That's the next one. That is not Virgo rising. That is going to be Leo rising in the sixth house. Oops, sorry, I, I skipped one. This person uh, wrote to me and... Um, Basically, they were having a harmless love affair, fifth house, the fifth house being the house of romance, love affairs, uh, as well as pregnancy, creativity. So they have this hot, steamy love affair, and the person became completely bonkers obsessive. And what started off like a fun, super, uh, super high combustible, sexy um, uh, dating situation turned into someone stalking them. <laughs> so... It doesn't sound like it was that serious. They didn't say anything bad happened, but they said this person became really obsessive and started sort of stalking them and they had to like bail. Fun Venus retrograde. All right, a love affair gone sideways. Now, if we go to Leo rising, then it's in the sixth house, which was traditionally called the house of conflict or the joy of Mars, a place of conflict. And what's interesting is that... Um, if you're Leo rising, that's where this is taking place. This is the person who said they got into a traffic accident, place of accidents, by the way, and conflict, uh, place of enemies and uh, um, war in ancient astrology. This traffic accident, they ended up settling outside of court. So Venus goes retrograde in that house and they have a meltdown of, uh, they, they have a, a kind of like a, a conflict that comes into their life, but then they end up solving and resolving it outside of court. 
So see, you can, it can, it, things can go, I mean, it's a lot better than having to go into court. And so they were pretty happy about that. All right. That's if you're a Leo rising in place of the place of conflict. And we'll be, again, I'll be fleshing these out more next week, but if you are a cancer rising, this Venus retrograde is about to go into your seventh. Now I had two stories that I wanted to tell just to contrast. One went through a terrible breakup of their marriage. That was Venus retrograde in the seventh uh, in Gemini last June of 2020. But then uh, another person, uh, <laughs> this is very Venus in Gemini, by the way, another person said that they and their spouse opened their marriage. <laughs> so very Venus in Gemini, but nonetheless, a time of revision about something in your love life, in your marriage or your relationship potentially coming up if you're a cancer rising. Okay, so let us go to putting Gemini on the ascendant. This will take and put Venus retrograde into the eighth house. So I had a client, this was a client who um, during Venus's retrograde in Gemini in the eighth house, they helped to pay off part of their, their partners, their, their marriage partners, student loans. And they cleared that debt for their partner on behalf of them with their own income during that time. There's a Venus retrograde in the eighth place of partners, money, or wealth. Isn't that interesting? Uh, okay, let's go another one. So that's, if you're Gemini rising, you'll have that in your eighth house. If you are a Taurus rising, this Venus retrograde will land in your ninth house. So this is something that someone shared with me on social media. They said that um, during Venus's retrograde in the ninth house last around June of 2020, when it was in Gemini in their chart, they went through a period of intentional celibacy. They decided to take the Venus retrograde as an opportunity to practice celibacy in order to learn how to control their sexual energy, which they felt they were struggling with. There's Venus retrograde in the ninth house of religion, spirituality, changing your relationship with sexual energy and incorporating it more consciously in your spiritual life. That was how one person chose to approach that. Isn't that perfectly indicative of the ninth house? Good one right there. All right. If you're an Aries rising, this upcoming Venus retrograde will fall in your 10th house. Well, um, this client of mine, this was a horary client actually, who ended up doing a horary, but during this time, and then we looked at their natal chart and ended up that this Venus retrograde was in their 10th, the time that they were asking this horary question. They were going through a change of management and the new boss at their work that was being put in place of their old boss no longer carried the same, like they, they, the relationship was not going to be good. It was like, oh no, new boss sucks. What, you know, what am I going to do? So during this time, the new boss came in, the relationship deteriorated, and this person ended up leaving their job. Um, actually, just to be clear, they ended up going to work within the same company, but at a different location or for in a different branch or something like that, but they couldn't work with this new person. Very Venus retrograde in the 10th house of career to go through a shift in workplace relationships. That's if you're an Aries rising, not that you'll have that coming, but that that's the area of life where you're going to see the action. All right. <clears throat> if you are a Pisces rising, this will put this will place the Venus retrograde in your 11th house. So um, this this actually happened for um, someone that I know personally, sort of like a, fr uh, a friend slash acquaintance of mine that I keep in touch with. 
And um, they are in kind of like in education and the arts, and they were waiting on a government grant that got delayed. And the grant got delayed pretty much due to COVID. But there's the 11th house, which is the place of assets, allies, benefactors, the wealth or power or resources of powerful people, including governments, kings, and the ancient world. And there's the grant from the, remember, this is the second from the 10th. So the money or grant or resources of the government are delayed and um, set back in being delivered. Now they eventually were, but they were delayed greatly during that Venus retrograde. And this was hard for the person because this is part of how they make their living. So that was an 11th house dynamic. Interesting. Um, finally, we put Aquarius on the ascendant. Then we are putting Venus's retrograde into the 12th house. And this one was something that I saw um, in my client practice last in June of 2020. Venus went retrograde in the 12th. And this person, um, uh, basically their partner, it was revealed that their partner had a secret drinking problem. They were hiding alcohol in their garage and in other places uh, throughout the house. She discovered it and partner decided to go voluntarily into rehab. Venus retrograde in the 12th place of secrets, loss, um, and uh, oftentimes the place where you know we visit Venusian shadows. That's uh, not always a bad thing. Um, there can be lots of really good things that come out of this. For this relationship, as far as I understood, um, you know, this person was um, very happy that this had all happened because it seemed like it was a breakthrough. So at any rate, I wanted to share with you guys some stories from the road, from the astrological journals that I've accumulated over time. I hope that you guys enjoyed hearing some of those stories. They just get your wheels turning, looking at the whole sign house in your birth chart. Next week, as the Venus retrograde approaches, we will do more. So this is just part one. We will do more to talk about what you can expect uh, based on your rising sign. And we will also be incorporating some tarot cards. And I might, I'm, we're thinking, I was thinking about having um, uh, Raphael from Radiant Ray Tarot come on and do another talk with me. We had talked about doing it together. So Still seeing if we can make things coordinate. It's a little tricky on, you know, um, it's holiday week and family can be in town and stuff like that, but hopefully we will. But regardless, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic weekend. Please don't forget, we are um, moving uh, as, as best we can toward our goal of 1,367 backers. I need your help and support. If you like this channel, if you share the videos, if you click thumbs up, if you click on the notifications icon or subscribe. That all helps. So does a $5 donation. So does a $10 donation. So does pitching in and getting a reward reading or taking one of my programs at a discounted rate through the Kickstarter. Um, in the next week, I'll be ringing the bell as we come down the finish line in these last two weeks. I hope you can all pitch in and support. We're getting close. We're over halfway. And uh, so hopefully I can uh, receive your, your patronage in this new year. And I promise you in return, I will make the best, most heartfelt astrological content that I can do. All right. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you again next week. Bye, everyone.